1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. A warm up from below. Welcome
3: to Love You Las Vegas for those to closeies with myself, Peggy Spears, and now a part of the Vison Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you today, as. I call him Mr. American because he does a great job of being able to cover the American Conference. Mike O'Donnell is going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at just what makes Houston so great and why so many people are so bullish on them coming into the season, just the roster makeup in general and what winds up going under the radar with that team as well. We're also going to be taking a look at the fit of Kendrick Davis over there at Memphis. A few schools that he thinks has been able to do a tremendous job in the transfer portal. I'm going to ask him just what winds up making a transfer for Wind up stick or not, because he's actually someone that he wanted playing at NC State to begin his career. Wound up transferring, went to Central Florida, had great success over there at Central Florida. So I'm going to ask him a little bit of personal experience: what winds up making that transition go well slash not so well in general. So we're going to have a great time talking with Mike in the second segment, then in the final segment, we did wind up seeing quite a bit of transfer news in college basketball on Monday. So I'll give you guys a little bit of a roundup of that. If you ever have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast. Podcast, you do have one or two ways we all far this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters M. I mean, it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline and the other way. That is via an Apple Podcast review. If you are at this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, hear fire, whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great chat with Mike O'Donnell. We're going to be taking a look at Houston, one of the top teams out there in college basketball, and we're going to be taking a look at some impact transfers next. Right here on Coast to Coast myself it's with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Here will be Las Vegas for Coast Coast Eaps with myself, Greg Spears, e. and now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests as this man does an absolutely terrific job taking a look at the game of college basketball as an analyst for ESPN and CBS Sports. You're able to catch him all throughout the season doing broadcasts on both of those great networks as it is Mike O'Donnell, a man that does such a great job taking a look at the X's and O's of college basketball and really does a good job of being able to identify good fits and just good schemes in general when it comes to college basketball. He does some great chalk talk. If you take a look on his Twitter feed, he'll do some absolutely tremendous breakdowns. Take a look at why teams have been successful and not, which I think is one of the most important things when it comes to college basketball. And to be able to take a look at Mike on Twitter, that is at M-O-T, the number four, and then the word three spelt out, that is his Twitter handle. And Mike, great to have you aboard. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Greg. I appreciate it.
3: I appreciate you, Mike. And I do appreciate the fact that it has been an absolutely tremendous off season out here in college basketball. We've seen a lot of movement. I know you're a man that you want to play for Central Florida throughout your college basketball career. So you're very familiar with a lot of these teams out there in the American. And one of the teams from the American, I think, is in for a big year in Houston. There's a debate right now as to whether or not they, Gonzaga or North Carolina, in the case for some people as well, should be number one. But take me through what you're taking a look at for this upcoming season with Houston because I'm very bullish on this team. I personally have them as my number two team. And Calvin Sampson, once again, I feel like has put together a tremendous roster.
1: I technically agree with most of what you said about Houston, Greg. And it does feel like you and I have been talking about Houston for the past like three or four years. And maybe you and I were just ahead of the curve. And Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars are finally getting more national recognition, right? All it took was just multiple Elite Eight runs (laughs) consistently, right? They have been the best half court defensive team in the country averaged out the last five years and they just do an absurdly great job on the defensive end and on the rebounding end and they just take care of all the dirty little stuff that nobody likes to talk about and do because is not exciting to talk about but they do those things extremely well what's a huge deal for houston is they are recruiting at a high level there's no question you know they're going to get players in the transfer portal But Marcus Sasser, coming back from Houston, when he put his name in the draft, went through the draft process, and he just took his name out of the draft and announced he was coming back to Houston a few days ago. You know, He was on schedule to be Player of the Year in the American last year. He was first 12 games of the season. He averaged almost 18 a game, shot 44% from three. He was playing like one of the best guards in the country. And he had a season-ending foot injury, and other players had to step up. And everybody really thought that Houston was done. Everybody talked about it. They'll still be good defensively, but, you know, it's just that culture is so good. But with Marcus Sasser back and healthy, you don't just have a potential player of the year in the American Conference on your team. You also have a potential first team all-American coming back and Marcus Sasser and he's a top three guard in the country. He'll push for All American, he'll push for national player of the year even if if Houston continues to win. He's that good. Because he might be the best two-way player in college basketball. He probably is the best two-way player guard in the country. They have Jamal Shed coming back, Traymon Mark And they also have a top 10 recruit. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Jairus Walker. I've had a chance to actually call a few of his games in high school. And Walker is an absolute beast on both ends of the floor. He plays angry. It's like he's foaming at the mouth, and it's awesome to watch. And he'd probably end up getting into the starting lineup. But Houston is going to be – they're the best team in the American Conference, I think, by far. And I think Houston is – they're better than just a top 10 team in the country – they are at worst the top three, top five team in college basketball.
3: Oh, I totally agree with you there. What I think is so intriguing about Houston is that they very nearly made the final four without two of their top scores from last year as yep. well, because out there in the backcourt, you mentioned it was Sasser being out of the fold for so long, that wound up hurting them quite a bit. So that was an issue. Trayvon Mark was also out of the fold for much of the season as well. So. Both of those guys coming back is big. We also wanted mentioning they wind up bringing in Walker, a top-ten recruiter. I think that he's going to be able to fortify this team. You typically don't see a bunch of Houston freshmen wind up getting a bunch of minutes. I think that he might wind up warranting them. And I take a look at Houston. We always talk about the defense, and it is absolutely superb with this team. But bringing back the two guys that were injured from last year as well, that also gives an element that winds up going underrated with Houston. And that's the fact that this is one of the best teams at being able to get wide-open three-point shots as yeah. well which I think a lot of people don't wind up having register
1: with them when they think of Houston. Well, two things from that. It's a great point. Houston actually has been one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. I mean, if you average out the last four or five years, they're probably a top 25 three-point shooting team in terms of makes per game. Nobody talks about just because, you know, they play more of a physical, rugged offensive style. It's not always free-flowing. But one of the reasons why they get so many threes is because they're always the best offensive rebounding team in the American Conference. They're always one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. So their ability to get second-chance points in particular – second chance, three-point opportunities, what their posts and even guards and wings do so well. Houston players, every Houston player that's on the court, every shot that's taken on the offensive end, the four players that crash the offensive glass, they treat shot attempts as if it's a bad pass to them. And so every time a shot goes up, they said, that's mine, I'm going to get it. Nobody else treats offensive rebounding like that in the country. Nobody does. So what happens when you get offensive rebounds? Two things happen. Everybody talks about you get the kick out for the three, and because the defense is sucked in, that's why the the percentage goes out. Yes, but also think about it, Greg. The more offensive rebounding opportunities you get kick out for threes, yes, the defense is sucked into the paint because that's where they think the rebound is going, and so everybody's already crashed in. But that's actually the best way to receive a three-point shot. That's how players practice. You practice – With a manager or the shooting gun machine, whatever it is, Dr. Dish, you practice with getting a pass underneath the basket. Houston actually, they really practice what they preach. When they get three-point shots, they like getting three-point shots off offensive rebounds because that's how the majority of players actually practice. It's a really interesting philosophy.
3: I think so as well, and it makes Houston just so battle-tested and just so ready when they wind up getting out there on the court as well. It's one of the teams that is the best in the business at being able to make everything wind up working, as we do have Mike O'Donnell does a great job with ESPN and CBS Sports' college basketball coverage. He's joining me right here on the podcast, and we always notice that Houston, they do a great job with regards to bringing in all their guys by the transfer portal, they seem to get good fits year in and year out. We have seen that time and time again out of them look no further than Mr. Kyler Edwards last season. But with that said, you're someone that you've actually went through the transfer portal process yourself. Now it was much different when you wound up going from NC state over to central Florida, but what do you think is really the keys for guys that they wind up going through the transfer portal and they have success? Much like you wound up having, as you wound up having a pair of double-digit seasons over there at Central Florida. You were on a team that wound up winning 22-plus games while you are over there at Central Florida. And what do you think is some of the keys to just being able to have a good fit with the transfer versus some of these situations that we wind up seeing
1: them? Look no further than the Texas
3: last season where the transfer pieces didn't wind up fitting
1: together. You said the word right there, Greg. It's fit. Are you transferring just because you're not getting enough playing time or you're transferring trying to get into a program, a culture, a system – that fits your style of play. A coaching staff that maybe fits your personality or it's a personality that you need in order to grow. So much of it comes down to fit. It really does. And in the transfer portal, we can talk, be it around the butcher all you want here, but there are plenty of cases in which the transfer portal is about money. It's about NIL deals. It just is, you know, whether, whether you want to like it or not. But if you can combine the two, you know, when you get a player in the transfer portal, you mentioned Keller Edwards. What we're seeing now in recruiting has totally changed is when you're recruiting a kid out of high school, and this is coming back to Kyler Edwards, when you're recruiting a, ki- a kid out of high school, it used to be if a player didn't commit to you, didn't commit to your program, you're probably never going to see that player ever again unless you cross paths in a game playing against him. But the line of communication stays open because what assistant coaches and head coaches do when they speak to a player it says, coach, I'm... Uh, so, I'm not going to Houston. I'm going to Texas Tech. Well, we really love you. You know, if you decide to make a change, we'd love to continue to talk and have a conversation because we really think you're a great fit. Well, those conversations come back all the time now. You are recruiting a kid twice, once in high school and then once after their first year if there isn't a good situation for that player at the particular school. And that's what happened with Kyler Edwards. It wasn't a good fit at Texas Tech. It wasn't. But the relationship was so strong from houston recruiting him in high school that that line of communication essentially it was an easy transition he knew the staff he knew the culture he knew everything about it and it was the name of the transfer portal communication lines open up and then the fit was there and it was huge i mean think about how great kyler edwards was for houston when the sasser went out he had to take on a huge portion of the offense and without him I don't know if Houston makes that Elite Eight run. I really don't. In the Transform Portal, it, it is everything's changed. It is partially about NIL. It is definitely about fit, but it's also about the relationships with the coaching staffs that you have coming out of high school because you get recruited twice now. And there isn't, I'll see you later, I'll never see you again, you're not coming to my program, so forget about you attitude anymore because you might get that kid again in the transfer portal
3: and sometimes we wind up seeing it where a guy winds up going to a school transfers away from that school and once you know it they wind up going back to that school (laughs) like two years later as well so we have seen quite a few of those situations and is there any team in general that you think that They've done a great job with regards to the transfer portal in terms of fit because I do take a look at some of these ordeals that we've had with regards to the transfer portal. I mentioned with Texas last year, I didn't feel like the pieces necessarily melded together very well. I think that this year could wind up going a little bit better because Marcus Carr is going to be in year number two rather than year number one, so not necessarily overly bullish on the fit. But with that said, I do think that another year under their belt, that's going to be helping out. But I take a look at all these transfer moves and the one that really stands out to me, honestly, in the American is I felt like Memphis got exactly what they needed with regards to Kendrick Davis going in because I always felt like the one thing holding back Memphis was turnovers, bringing in that sort of a point guard. I think is huge out there in your neck of the woods in the state of Florida. I think that Nigel Pack going into Miami, he's going to be relatively solid as well. So I think that that's another one that is big. But in terms of just what you've seen with regards to all these transfers in the offseason, are there a few that stand out to you and you think, man, that guy is going to be a great fit with insert program here? Yeah, well, you
1: mentioned, uh, you know, Kendrick Davis, I think you could make an argument that he was the most sought after uh, in the transfer portal. I mean, he could have went to Duke, could have went anywhere he wanted. And I think that system, it's an NBA style system with a lot of pick and roll, a lot of spacing in Memphis. They have been severely lacking three-point shooting. Kendrick Davis brings that. They have been lacking leadership. Kendrick Davis brings that. And they have been lacking a steady force in assist-to-turnover ratio because Memphis turns the ball over way too much. If they get 15 steals, they're turning it over 15, 16 times. And Kendrick Davis doesn't just bring the shooting, doesn't just bring the leadership. He brings the encore presence that really steadies the ship. So that was just an absolutely massive gap We're not just talking from an American standpoint, but from nationally as well. I really like this Creighton team. 70% of their scoring is back. I think Arthur Coluna is a pro. I love Ryan Emhart as a point guard. I think he is a fantastic passer and just a visionary on the court. But they got a transfer from South Dakota State, Baylor Shireman, who can give you 20 points a night. But he's everything on the wing that you would want in this Creighton offense. Creighton has one of the best most prolific, and really difficult to scout against offenses in the country. There's so much movement. There's a collective randomness to it that it's really hard to scout for. It's So much of it is about reads and shooting and exploiting a defense's weakness. And Baylor Shireman fits that Creighton team perfectly. I think Creighton was a borderline top 10 team coming into the season already. But with that addition in that offensive system, I could see Creighton inching into top five in the country for most of the season. I think he was a hugely impactful addition to Creighton. Big, big fan of what they did. And then Gonzaga got way better with a player who kind of fell under the radar in terms of his scoring ability. But Chattanooga star Malachi Smith transferring to Gonzaga, I think takes a lot of pressure off their point guard, Nolan Hickman, And then you also have DJ Strother and Drew Timmy came back. Malachi Smith can really, I think, make Gonzaga consistently a top three team in the country because of his scoring ability. The way that he scores is so impactful in any offensive system that he goes in. But the way that Gonzaga plays, because there's so much emphasis on Drew Timmy in the perimeter. Malachi Smith, he's probably not going to average 20 a game, but I could see him averaging 15, 16 a game in that system. So Malachi Smith... Chattanooga's uh, transfer into Gonzaga, and then also Baylor Shireman for Creighton. Massive, massive gets.
3: Oh, I totally agree with you. I think that Creighton... They should wind up going into the season, the favorites out there in the Big East, which is very strange to say with yeah. the way that Villanova's had a stranglehold ever since we have seen the realignment there. And Well, Jay Wright stepping down at Villanova, that's a little bit of a tough pill for them to be able to swallow, but you know that they're going to be rock solid and for Gonzaga, a team that I know that a lot of people love to hate on them because they've never necessarily won a national title. But, I, that said, when you're able to get to the second week of the NCAA tournament year in, year out, there's a lot of fan bases that would take that. Trust me on that. As we do have <laughs> Mike O'Donnell joined me right here on the podcast. of Mike, I mentioned it. You wound up finishing out your career at Central Florida. and I've been intrigued by what they wound up doing in the transfer portal as well. They're bringing in four different guys, including one guy that he began his career out there in the conference for a different school in the state at South Florida. Just didn't wind up getting a lot of playing time at Indiana. So he goes into Central Florida. He's a seven-footer that should be able to give them a nice little base down low and then they bring in Ethel Horton branded Suggs as well. So Suggs, another guy that was out there in the American why is it going into the program? What do you see as the outlook for Central Florida? Because they do wind up losing Darren Green, and I do think that that is going to be a big loss for this team, one of the more underappreciated sharpshooters in college basketball. But I do like the way that Central Florida has been able to bring in a lot of size in general, and I do think it's going to be a little bit of a new-look team this season.
1: Yeah, the jury's still out on how good this UCF team is going to be. I can tell you that I talked to Coach Dawkins, and he is ecstatic about Brandon Suggs. He feels that he was In East Carolina's past season, both games he really, really hurts UCF, and I think the offense, the the NBA style open concept offense that that Johnny Dawkins runs at UCF, really benefits Brandon Suggs' game. You mentioned Ethel Horton, yes, Michael Durr transfer from South Florida, Indiana. They are big. UCF is big. There are two players that actually are the most important to UCF, and that is point guard Darius Johnson. He was a freshman, made the all-freshman team in the American Conference. He's going to be the leader of this team, the point guard duties, not just on the court but off the court as well. He is wise beyond his years. They love Darius Johnson. He's got a chance to be really good. And I think C.J. Walker, he took a huge step offensively. Greg, you and I actually talked about C.J. Walker last season – About How great he was defensively and they were wondering can he make a jump offensively and he did his shooting percentage increased almost 20 percent from the field. He was ultra efficient this past season. I think C.J. Walker uh, his offense is only going to get better. And his shot blocking went down just a pinch because they the, he had additional shot blockers around him and they played a little bit different style of defense. They're going to be big and he's going to have to guard a lot of positions. But I think C.J. Walker might be the most underappreciated defender in the American Conference and could be up for defensive player of the year in the American Conference. I think a big season is ahead for C.J. Walker at UCF. And C.J. Walker, a lot of people forget, he was a former,
3: in a lot of places, top 50 recruit, at minimum a top 65 recruit. When he wound up going to Oregon, that duck system wasn't necessarily a fit for him, but he's been able to find a home at Central Florida. And Mike, you do an absolutely terrific job just taking a look at the game of college basketball. You found a home for being able to do exactly what you love as year in and year out. You're doing a great job with regards to ESPN and CBS's broadcast. And I know that you do a lot during the offseason, taking a look at a lot of these teams, how they're going to be looking, some breakdowns of just different styles and just different offenses that these teams wind up running as well. So, love to get people at home. Know they're able to follow you on social media, and just everything that you've got going on in general. Uh,
1: certainly, we'll be posting a lot on Twitter. This summer, uh, I've got a few segments that I'll be doing. Should be pretty interesting, shedding some light on some players that may not get enough attention nationally. So, you can find me at uh, M-O-D for three on Twitter. That's uh, M-O-D and then the number four, then the word 3 we'll be doing games again for uh, CBS Sports and ESPN this upcoming season, so looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, Greg. And I always look forward
3: to having Mike on this podcast, just one of the most intelligent minds when it comes to college basketball, a guy that does a great job of just being able to dissect everything that we wind up seeing, being able to find guys that... They are going to be good slash bad fits and a man that he is Mr. American because when it comes to the American Conference, the guy is an absolute ace at being able to take a look at that conference. And it is always great to be able to get Mike on this podcast. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. And coming up next right here on Coast to Coast, I'm going to give you guys a look as to everything that we wound up seeing in college basketball in terms of the news and notes of Monday.
2: We're back here loving Las Vegas for Ghost Ghost Heaps
3: with myself, Greg Eap and now part of the Beast Family podcast. Great to get as I like to call him, Mr. American, because he does a great job with the American Conference, Mike O'Donnell on the podcast. He does absolutely amazing work taking a look at the game of basketball. He is one of the best at being able to dive into the X's and O's of a game, and he wound up joining me today delivering the goods. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast that we take a look at everything that we wound up getting in college basketball over the last 24 hours, in my opinion. The biggest impact transfer wound up coming with Kerwin Walton the second that he is going to be going to Texas Tech. We know this with Texas Tech. They're a team that they're going to play some very tenacious defense. One thing that they were really lacking last season was a little bit of three-point shooting, and Walton should be able to deliver that. During the 2020-21 season, when he was getting a ton of minutes at North Carolina, he shot 42% from three, was able to put up right around eight points per contest, is going to need to work on just his overall rebounding, being able to be a little bit more of a well-rounded player, which really held him back this last season in North Carolina, only wanted up putting up three and a half points per game on still right around 35.5% three-point shooting, but got to figure that he's going to need to do a little bit on the defensive end. He's six foot five, so he's got good length, and I do think that being in that Texas Tech program, he is going to be able to do a solid job of be able to hold it down and be able to provide some good defense. So, I think that this is a solid get, and a Texas Tech team that was already deep, they wind up getting even deeper, and I do like what this team has been able to do in general. They do wind up losing Kevin McCullough from last season, and he's certainly not going to be Kevin McCullough where he was just a complete and utter statue stuff for a guy that wasn't necessarily great at one thing, but was able to do a lot of things quite well. But I mean, even with the loss of TJ Shannon as well, this should be a bunch that they do a very nice job being able to hold it down. Kevin O'Banner is going to be able to have another big year down low, in my opinion, for Texas Tech. They've got a relatively solid recruiting class as coming in, and then coming in in the transfer portal, you've also got Davion Harmon. That should be able to help them out. I do think that it's going to be a case in which Fados is really going to be able to do a great job of be able to lending a lot for this team as well. This is a gentleman that I think is going to be able to lend a lot with regards to SWAC. How about Messiah Thompson? He winds up entering into the transfer portal from Campbell. And I'm going to hopefully do my Big South preview within the next few days as well. He's going to Alabama A&M. Alabama A&M was an incredibly top-heavy offense last season. Hopefully, they're going to have a little bit more versatility. And with Thompson, I think a lot of what he was able to do last year at Campbell. He was pretty much a sixth man for the team. He averaged between 8 and 8.5 and points per game each of the last two seasons. Right around 2 assists per contest. Two seasons ago, shot 40% for three this last year. 32% from three, but I mean, you put him out there in the slack and this is a guy that should be a double digit score with Alabama A&M. and two guys in Jalen Johnson and Garrett Hicks last season that were able to do a tremendous job. They wanted combining for 30 points right in the pocket of about, I would say 10 and a half, 11 ish rebounds per game, but you had absolutely nothing else outside of those two guys, so this is a crucial pickup, in my opinion, for Alabama A&M now, they're going to be able to be a little bit more versatile, and he's not the only one that's coming into the program as Austin Harvell, he is also going to be coming in from Tennessee Tech, that should be able to help out this team, give them a little bit of a different dimension as well, give them a little bit more size, so I do take a look at Alabama and um Arrow is trending upward for them in the SWAC after they wound up actually finishing above 500 in the SWAC last season. Junior Ballard is a new addition to the transfer portal. You don't see a lot of additions to the transfer portal this time of year, but he was playing last season at... Fresno State, and he came over from Cal Poly a few seasons ago and just didn't wind up seeing the minutes that he did at Cal Poly. Not a surprise there. Wound up putting up 5 points per contest last season. Shot 35.5% from 3-point range. Guy that 6'3 has some relatively solid size during the 2019-20 season while he was at Cal Poly. He wound up having 13 points per game. Shot 36% from 3 for a team that, we're going to call it what it is, I mean, just a really bad Cal Poly team that in recent years has not been able to do much of anything, but with that said, in a I guess you'd call it big fish in a small pond sort of role. He was able to put up some big numbers at Fresno State, and he was still halfway decent. you got to think that there's going to be some guys, there's going to be some schools that are going to be in on him. So that's going to be interesting to take a look at. There is a champion that is going to be coming to the conference of champions. That'd be Luke Champion. He was actually playing at the non-division one level last season. He was at Missouri Western, and he has decided that he is going to wind up going to Arizona. So this is the third transfer pickup over the last really seven days for Arizona. As they wanted bring in Courtney Ramey from Texas, and then they also wanted bring in a gentleman from Campbell of their own in Cedric Henderson Jr. and When it comes to what they can expect out of the champion, well, not very much, as he wound up putting up 0.6 rebounds per game. I don't think that he wound up scoring more than a point per contest, so he is a walk-on, and he is a walk-on only. This is not going to be... When is he going to be taking Arizona to the promised land? But with that said, it is a nice story to try to get you guys riled up a little bit. Yaya Kita, he was playing at Missouri last season and was a former top 225 recruit in the class of 2021. You got to figure that this is more or less taking a flyer on a guy with just freakish athletic ability. Six foot eight, 240, just absolutely built on not playing a lot for Missouri, he decided that he is gonna be heading over to Oklahoma. Gonna be interesting to see if Porter Mosier is gonna be able to use him at all because I mean this is someone that on defense can really be a menace. And as we know, Porter Mosier, the guy that knows a little bit of something about defense coming over from Loyal. Chicago lies here and you got to figure that he's going to try to get them into his defensive sets, try to be able to get this team firing all cylinders on that side of things, as well as it's going to be another tough and tumble conference this season. Joey Calcaterra, he's going to be going over to the Big East. He was playing last season at San Diego, wound up putting up about 8.5 points per contest, has been a starter for San Diego, off and on over the last three seasons, wound up becoming little bit of an outcast when it came to Steve Lavin going over there to San Diego. And San Diego brought in a pair of guys from the Pac-12 and Jaden Delaire along with Eric Williams that wanted to be double-figure scorers. And now he has found a home with UConn. Got to figure that he's going to be a little bit more of a designated shooter. Really has been his M.O. throughout his career at San Diego. Shot for his career. 35.7% from three-part range. 83% the free-throw line. And is a guy that can give you a little bit of passing, but with that said, mainly a pure sharpshooter should be able to give this UConn team a little bit more with that side of things, so that is another solid pickup for a UConn team that has been just so good at being able to utilize the transfer portal. Recently, Wade Jackson Jr. decided that he is going to be entering into the transfer portal. He last season was at Loyola of Maryland and he wound up putting up right around 2.5 points for contests. He wound up seeing a couple of starts during the 2020-21 season, but not necessarily got impact wound up shooting just 26% from 3 point range, so don't think that we're probably going to see him be able to resurface at the D1 level. And then you wind up seeing a gentleman go down to the non-D1 level in Dante Bruchard. He was last season playing at Mount St. Mary's and just never wound up seeing the floor at all as he wound up redshirting. And this is very easy for a handicap. All you need to note is that Mr. Bouchard he did not wind up seeing any minutes whatsoever last season. He has decided that he is going to be going down to the non-D1 level. You're able to cross him off your list of guys that you need to evaluate and then you yeah, can pretty much move on from there. So that makes things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. There, same Thompson. Same for him. He was playing at Southeast Missouri State, and didn't mind giving the team right around 4.5 points, a little bit over 2 rebounds per game. Wanted making 8 starts, and... He has decided that he is going to be heading down to Missouri Southern, a relatively solid D2 school, Six 6'10", 250-pound big man that should be able to do a very solid job out there at the D2 level. Just was that a fit with a Southeastern Missouri State team that last season they were in the top 25 in terms of possessions per game and quite frankly did not wind up playing any defense whatsoever, so he decided that he is going to be looking for minutes rather than being at the D1 level. Caleb McGill, he was playing at UC Davis. He wanted up deciding to go down to Metro State, someone who in two seasons wanted up putting up right around one and a half points per contest, just could never really find his form with regards to a shot six foot seven combo player that only shot right around 15% from three point range. So he was a guy that really could never find it over there at UC Davis, but this is going to be a little bit more of an impact guy. It's Joe Reese. He last season was over at Bowling Green, and he has decided that he is going to be going to Duquesne, someone who wanted up putting up 11 and a half points per game, and he's used to playing in an up tempo style. This is a Duquesne team that they very much play a little bit. Bit more slow, but they needed someone to replace Primo Spears. He should be able to come in and be able to give the team a little bit of scoring. Six foot eight combo player that wound up also being able to give the team five rebounds per contest. Duquesne was really lacking anything on the glass whatsoever. Reese didn't take a lot of threes. When he shot him, he shot him well. Shot 44% for three, but only about a half a three per contest, but was able to give the team a steal per contest as well. A Duquesne team that has been very up and down ever since Keith Jambrot has taken the reins for them. They've been able to do a solid job of be able to bring in a few guys via the transfer portal, as they did wind up losing Primo Spears in the offseason, and they have been a team that they've been looking to really build through the transfer portal over recent years. Thus far, it has really been hurting them just a tad, but you take a look at them, bringing in Tevin Brewer, a double-digit scorer last year at Florida National. Dady Grant is a good sharpshooter as well. Now you wind up bringing in their Reese, a 6 6'8", a little bit of a floor-spacing combo guy. That should be able to give this team a little bit of a burst, and hopefully I'll be able to give you a burst all season long with regards to your college basketball handicapping right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. We're taking a look at every single conference here during the offseason as well. Looking to wind up doing a Big South preview within the next few days as well, and if you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letter C M, see them. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. and the other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, remember firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Big thanks to Mike O'Donnell of ESPN and CBS Sports for joining me in the last segment. Gunny McGill coming at you guys every single day throughout the year in general when it comes to the offseason news and notes of college basketball and conference previews and once we get in season picks and analysis on every single game every single day so i'll chat at you once again it. thank you so much
0: for tuning in